Father God, I just pray that uh, my words will be your words this morning. And uh, you give us hearts to, to hear and uh, minds to understand. In Jesus' name. Amen. So I was going to preach a sermon on apathy, but honestly, I can't be bothered now. Um, so I'm going to... No, it is about apathy. Um, so, you know, it's... It's all around us, isn't it? Apathy. It's it's kind of invidious. It kind of permeates our our kind of culture, and and it and it, and it sort of spreads a bit like an epidemic sometimes. Um, and we see it in action everywhere. You know, there's, you know, I I, I was um I I was even in school um yesterday. Was it yesterday? No, the day before Thursday when the GCSE results came came out, and 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 we've still got kind of kids like kevin that he wasn't called kevin but it's like that the archetypal kevin and uh, who just don't seem to care about anything so the, the kids were coming in getting their gcse certificates and they were you know whoops and hollering and tears and you know um people getting into college most of them got where they want to and then there was a couple of kids who used to, who, who came in and kind of yeah whatever yeah don't know yeah it's like oh it's just what can you do with those sort of children? It's apathy of action, apathy of mind. And we see it in the world all around us. We, we've got, you know, governments that, that are apathetic about dealing with a difficult situation, a difficult political situation because of the votes that they may um, lose um, in, in actually dealing with it. We've got apathy of people to, to wars and disasters if it's not kind of directly affecting them we've got apathy in churches sadly you know it's the same people that seem to do everything all the time isn't it could leave it to somebody else it will get done and that's not a dig at anyone particular but but it's in our churches it's in families as well families that sort of drift apart because it's easier not to say something than to actually have that conversation or get in touch or make the offer. And and in James, in that reading that I, I read, we're, we're shown examples uh, of action and warned about apathy and inaction and, and also sort of sanctimonious piety as well, where we just say, oh, God bless you, and don't actually do anything. Hebrews 6 9 to 12, which I'm also going to just uh, read. So you want to follow that one. The great faith uh, chapter is coming up in Hebrews in, in, uh, in chapter 11, but this sort of previews it. Hebrews 6, um, just read from 9. Even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are convinced of better things in your case, the things that have to do with salvation. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. We don't want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. So, we're being exhorted there not to be lazy, but to imitate those people we see who do act. 
John Bunyan talks about, uh, I'm never sure how to pronounce it, is sloth or sloth. Is it sloth or sloth? One or the other, it means sloth. Sloth. They should have put a W in if it was sloth. But anyway. Yeah. That'd be slow. Anyway, let's not get hung up on how you pronounce it. But he does talk about sloth. Slo what are we saying? Sloth. Sloth. Um, let me just read you a bit out of um, Pilgrim's Progress, this great allegory. I saw then in my dreams as he went on, even at, then he came to a bottom where he saw a little out of the way, three men fast asleep with fetters upon their heels. So they were in, in kind of uh, chains. The name of one was simple, another sloth, and a third presumption. Christian, then seeing them lie in this case, went up to them. If peradventure you might wake them and cried, you are like sheep on top of a on top of a mast for the dead sea is under you a gulf that has no bottom awake therefore and come away be willing and i will help you with off with your irons he also told them it is he that goeth about like a roaring lion no sorry if he that goeth about like a roaring lion comes by you will certainly become prey to his teeth with that they looked upon him and began to reply simple said i see no danger sloth said Oh, let yet a little more sleep. And presumption said, everything must stand upon his own bottom. And so lay down to sleep again. And Christian went on his way. So there, a warning against sloth. And that's a, 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 a also a biblical reference to, to the, uh, the, uh, the lion roaring in, in um, 1 Peter 8. So laziness in action are not really options for the Christian life. We can even be apathetic about receiving God's gifts that he gives to us sometimes. I'm sure that there, there's times where God has been trying to give us a gift and we've kind of gone, well, I don't really want that. God is blessing us, but we need to make the effort to receive the blessing sometimes. I'm certainly guilty of that myself. I, I once did a, a, um, a children's talk where we had a glass of water. I don't think I've done it in this church. Um, and say, how do you get the drink of water? And people are going, well, you just go up and take it. And that's the answer. You do. You have to actually act to get the drink of water. You either have to pick up the drink and drink it, or you have to get somebody else to pick it up and give it to you. It doesn't just kind of flow into your body, but sort of by osmosis from the glass. So they're both actions. And apathy in those in that case would lead to us being very thirsty and dying eventually. And we're seeking a vision, aren't we, for this church at the moment? We want to know where God is taking us. And it's it's really important that we not only seek that vision, but then act. And we're given many examples in scripture of people uh, seizing opportunities that was given to, that was given to them. You know, Paul on the, the steps um, at Rome preaching, 
um, Peter preaching uh, at Pentecost to that hostile crowd. And just like Cicero said, we need to carpe diem, seize the day, um, and take the opportunities that God puts before us. And I, I really think that God, as we seek his vision in this place, will give us opportunities, will open the doors that we need opening. And, and it really is up to us as God's children in this place to not be apathetic, but to actually walk through the doors, figuratively speaking. Time is short, we're told. We don't know the appointed hour or time, says uh, the Bible. We must act now and not be apathetic and not think that we've got all the time in the world. Isaiah 1.17 says, learn to do right. Seek justice. Encourage the oppressed. Defend the cause of the fatherless. Please the plead the case of the widow. So there's a, a direct exhortation to social awareness, social action, social justice. How can we seek justice if we don't actually do anything um, about it? So there may be opportunities coming up for us to be directly involved in helping people. We, we already do that as a church uh, on, on many, in many different ways. But maybe God is telling us that we need to kind of seek and take opportunities to, to get more involved in our local community, to, 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 to get involved in other aspects of the community that we're not involved in now. And I think that God will show us those ways and then will give us the gifts we need, whether it's financial or time or people, whatever resources we need to, to get involved. But we can't sit there on our hands and be apathetic about it. 1 Peter 2, verse 15, says, For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. So this lack of apathy, the action that we need to take may cost us. It may cost us financially. It may cost us you know, our dignity, know, our status, it may, you know, cost us physically, may have to get tired doing it, may, people may abuse us for doing it and get the wrong idea of what we're trying to do. But the example of, that Christ set us should spur us on. James 4 verse 17, anyone then who knows the good he should do and doesn't do it, is a sinner. So that's a warning directly then for us to get involved and not to pass by these opportunities that God gives us. In fact, the, the Greek word that is used there, poieo, to do, uh, implies doing something with a sacrificial element to it. It should cost us to do what God wants us to do, potentially. Haggai 2, 
verse 4. But now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be, be strong of Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work, for I am with you. So an exhortation to work, but not working alone. So as we share the vision and work towards that vision, we know that be strong, says the Lord, for I am with you in that verse in Haggai. And that should that's a, a real comfort, isn't it, that we're not doing this in our own strength. There's a Dutch theologian um, who I came across recently, Hans Ruckmacher. Um, and he has a, a formula, a little um, a, a little um, rubric that he, he lives his life by. And it, it, it kind of leapt out at me when I was looking at this. His, his little rubric is weep, pray, think, act. And it doesn't spell a word or anything. It's just those four words. Weep, pray, think, act. In Micah, what have I done with my up here? In Micah chapter seven, let's just read that. But well, we're getting about the Bible a bit today, but it's good. If you want to follow along, Micah chapter seven. This is a um a time when Israel was going through a bit of a tough time and was being besieged on all sides. So in my Bible, this this verse, this chapter is entitled Israel's Misery. But for Israel, read the UK's misery with, you know, um, the cost of living increases or Ukraine's misery with the, the, the war with with Russia. It's it's a it's an allegorical uh, story here. What misery is mine? I am one who gathers summer fruit at the gleaning of the vineyard. There is no cluster of grapes to eat, none of the early figs that I crave. The faithful have been swept from the land. Not one upright person remains. Everyone lies in wait to shed blood. They hunt each other with nets. Both hands are skilled in doing evil. The ruler demands gifts. The judge accepts bribes. The powerful dictate what they desire. They all conspire together. The best of them is like a briar, the most upright, worse than a thorn hedge. The day God visits you has come. The day your watchmen sound the alarm. Now is the time of your confusion. Do not trust a neighbor. Put no confidence in a friend. Even with the woman who lies in your embrace, Guard the words of your lips. For a son dishonors his father, a daughter rises up against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are members of his own household. But as for me, I watch in hope for the Lord. I wait for God, my saviour. My God will hear me. So Micah weeps for himself and for all the trouble that Israel uh, is in. And uh, 
to us, these troubles and the situation that Israel found itself in, as I've said, sounds sounds familiar in many cases. Lots of dishonor going on and lots of betrayal. It's like the world today. And to overcome apathy, we must first weep like Hans Ruckmarker uh, does. We need to empathize with the issues that are out there. We need to empathize and relate to the issues that confront us. Weeping literally sometimes or, or metaphorically uh, helps us to do this. We understand the situation. And if we understand the situation, then we can act. So we need to be thinking about what what's going on in our local area, in um, in the Headinghams, in in the wider area in the world, so that we can weep about it, that we can empathise with it, and in that way, start to go on to the next part of of Hans Ruckmarker's uh, little rubric, which is pray. So praying is the next vital step once we've understood and wept and felt for the thing that we need to act on. So Micah 7, 7, as for me, I watch in hope for the Lord. I wait for God, my savior. My God will hear me. So Micah's praying for God to hear him. And, and that's what we should be doing. And then the, the next part is think. And again, we shouldn't just rush in and act without thinking about the best way to deal with the situation. I don't think God's asking us to do that. I think God wants us to, to plan and think carefully about how best to act in any given situation. And then the final thing is to act, to actually do something. And then, and then you sort of repeat the cycle. I quite like that. I quite like that idea of weep, pray, think, act. So thanks for Hans Ruckmacher there. So what I suppose I'm I'm getting us to think about is trying to put that that kind of formula in place for uh, action as we take forward the vision that God gives us for this church, and then we can move forward perhaps a little bit less apathetically, a little bit stronger. Uh, knowing that God is with us, um, just as as he said to Haggai. Revelation chapter 22, verse 12 says, Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. So what are we going to do? Are we going to be apathetic? Are we going to be like Kevin and go, oh, I don't know. Or are we going to think, we're going to weep and think and pray and then act? Amen. <laughs>